Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by me, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. Barrett, final episode of 2020. It feels good. It feels really good, man. Yeah? Yeah, well, yeah. That's, um, that's good. I'm glad it feels good for you. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're glad I feel good. <laughs> Um, no, it's, uh, it's good, man. It's, uh, it's, you know, it, it, the, the, the sad part is that it feels like everything should just like click back to normal on January 1st and it, and it won't do that. In fact, it'll, it'll, it, it's the, the only reason like, as you know, pe- people, everybody's very excited about 2020 ending 2021 coming around. Sure. That, that's all well and good. But, but what you forget is that we actually have like the darkest, coldest, worst months still in front of us. And sure. there's not even any holiday cheer. The people will take their lights down. You're going to start driving around. There's going to be dead Christmas trees strewn across lawns and on the curbs, ready to just go get you know tossed in the compost or, or chipped up in the wood chipper. And um, you know it's going to be. Uh, it might get worse before it gets better, especially especially given that uh, statistically we will see another spike uh, after everybody got together with their families. And sucked face and hugged and did all that stuff. Not that I blame anybody for doing that. I mean, I I, I get it. Uh, totally. Always the pessimist. But, Always um, the pessimist. This one. Focus but there will. On the, but there uh, will be the uh, be very very. Um, you know, there will be a skyrocketing number. Now on the bright side, it's windy today. How is that a bright side? I don't know. It's not really. It's not really. No. Here's, here's what I would argue. Here, here's here's what the I would bright side. Though. Here's the bright side, Ross. There was a lot of great TV this year, and we're going to talk about that today. There was a lot of great TV this year. I would also argue, though, that the point for me is not like, oh, we're going to get to 2021 and magically everything's going to be better. No, no, no. I just don't want anything to do with this year anymore. Right. I would also argue the holidays were the most stressful part of this entire year for me. I'm glad they're over. They're fun. Yay. Got to see the family. Great. Now back to the fucking cave and the grind. And I just want the year to be over (laughs) so that we can have a new calendar. I realize, like... Pandemic-wise, we're going to be in the same situation or worse situation than we're in right now. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Like, in terms of that, it, we, we got the vaccine out. It's all going to get handled in, in due time. I, I do not care anymore. I am no longer focused on, like, when are we going to get back to doing this stuff? Like, no, I'm just trying to figure out ways to be happy now because right, this is the right. situation. That's, that's, so, a good, that's a smart way of looking at it, uh, to be so honest. So as, as far as the end of the year goes, it's just like a perspective thing for me. But to your point... It's also about wrapping up everything we watched this year, television-wise, and really, you know, honing in on what our favorite things were. So that's exactly what Barrett and I are going to do today, as well as talk about a few other things. But first, today's episode of OCC is brought to you by Lisa, makers of the greatest mattresses in the world. I always argue your mattress is up there with, like, your living room and bedroom televisions in terms of important purchases you make for your home. Lisa knows how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. And to Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and rest. All of their products at Lisa have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you want to spend time in. I sleep on the Lisa Legend, and I slept on the Lisa Hybrid for years and years before that. They're both phenomenal. You can't go wrong with any of the Lisa mattresses. I have Lisa pillows, Lisa blankets. Barrett, tell us about your uh, Lisa life a little bit. Um, well, I like to jump in. I like to jump in my uh, deliciously comfortable Lisa bed, and then I like to go yeah. Lisa. And then uh, Lisa. and then um, you know that's 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 how it goes it. every night. I ru- I sprint to my bedroom to jump onto my Lisa mattress, and then I yell Lisa Pelicosta. 
and then I go Lisa, to, and, Lisa. and then I get great night's sleep because I have all these. And then, just, and then you're just cozy. Yeah, that's it. Lisa believes all people should have access. That can to be your life. And relaxation. People. That can be yeah, your life. Yeah, it can too. be. It can be. As such, they make it easy for their customers to know they've made the right choice through their social impact initiatives tied to each purchase. Lisa donates one mattress for every ten they sell. Through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. To date, they've donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made in the USA in home delivery and setup is available. Financing is also available. Don't miss out, Clamp Fam. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Use the promo code dragon, 15% off any mattress. At lisa.com slash dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code dragon. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Tidbits and Such, with Barrett. Yo, Mr. Dudley, okay. what are we talking today? Um, Okay, the first big tidbit here, and and, and this will kind of be a, a good starter for, for our overall overarching conversation today. Oh, sure, hon. Is that last week um, in the hubbub and in the shocking... Uh, release of all the the Disney and and everything that that Disney owns, including Fox right. and FX and and everything under the sun. Basically, we got really swept away by all that, and we we trashed Netflix hard for not having anything good, despite having just gotten done reviewing and talking about how wonderful the Queen's Gambit uh, was. And yeah. uh, you're going to see that the Queen's Gambit is um, very high on my list here today, uh-huh. and so. You know, I went home. You I saw, feel like a fool, don't I, you? I babe? saw the I saw the people tweeting at us and getting in the Discord about what uh, what dum dums we were, uh-huh. and then I looked and I like you know I was on there and like I'm I you know I'm I'm watching the new season of Big Mouth and I finally got sucked in and I started The Crown, and so Uh-oh. Netflix is doing just fine. Um, Sorry, you're you're you, uh, but the big. The big omission there was that we had literally just covered one of the best shows of the year in The Queen's Gambit. Um, now, I, I still want to emphasize the sentiment, though, that like it, the, the difference is that Netflix has to keep pumping out really good content in those really unique ways. They keep they have to keep like flipping the script with stuff like The Queen's Gambit or awesome, hilarious adults cartoons like Big Mouth. You know what I mean? Like, like they need home runs and it's got to be on Netflix. The Disney thing is so different because they have Disney Plus and they have ESPN and they have the entire library of 30 for 30 and they have every single movie that Disney has ever made and they have Marvel and they have Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And they have FX and Hulu as well. And there's literally a never ending supply like they will be hitting doubles and triples and home runs for as long as we'll be alive, basically. And like they just have such an overwhelming number of properties that it, it, it's no surprise that we got sucked up in all that and completely spaced on the fact that there was one good Netflix show that we covered just recently. Um, but in the face of like 27 shows that have been announced that people are that people are super stoked for, even if they're not necessarily shows that we're super stoked for. Like it, yeah. it, it, it was just it was it. I think that, you know, our big point kind of is still the same which is that Netflix has to keep has to keep up basically and they have to keep putting out stuff that's as good as the Queen's Gambit because they're going to you know because the 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 firepower over at Disney is is just so much and I will save my my specific Queen's Gambit takes for when we get to our lists here momentarily but in terms of uh, our omission 
I think it's kind of it speaks volumes to the overall sentiment about Netflix from the both of us. It's just like they're just like we've always said, they're throwing more shit at the wall than anyone else. And it's kind of easy to forget, like, some of my favorite shows are on Netflix. They're Netflix productions. But in the grand scheme of things, and like, yeah, this is the other piece of the puzzle, too. Netflix does not really fuck with the hype game. They don't promote things a whole lot. Like we've always said, they just throw them out. They're out there. And then if they work word of mouth, boom, that's it. Social media, yada, yada. Like, it's just kind of not the same game as, like, HBO putting out these high-dollar premium productions that have a ton of marketing in front of them you know about them years ahead of time and shit like that like it's just a totally different deal so i don't know no disrespect to netflix as you're going to see when we get to my top 10 as well it's just like uh it's something about netflix at this point that it's like it's almost the generic you know yeah yeah it's the kleenex of fucking streaming like <laughs> you're just gonna say it but it's like i don't know if i really hold it in high esteem anyway anyway well, no disrespect I'm, but also full disrespect man. <laughs> i mean you say that as 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 a diss but and and it can be it can be a negative right like you you do have to you have to maintain your 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 standing as that like as essentially the brand that started it all so much so that that some people even use your brand's name to refer to something much broader. Like you mentioned, Kleenex, Coke, Rollerblade, right? Like those are all actual brand names, not the things that we mean when we when we say those words now. Right. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's like it, you said last week, that's kind of your reason why you'll never give up Netflix, why it has its spot kind of locked locked in there for you. Yeah, dude. Is because it, it's kind of the OG. You know it's going to have like... You know, maybe it doesn't have the biggest, shiniest stuff every season, but it's always going to have, they're always going to be throwing something at the wall. They're always going to have something that kind of bubbles up word of mouth, whether that's a dumbass reality show like Too Hot to Handle or whether it's something really phenomenal and, and kind of groundbreaking like The Queen's Gambit. So, um, you, you know, they're, they're, their place is secure at the moment, but it will be interesting to see kind of what they do and kind of what changes they make right. going forward, if if any at all, to kind of keep up with with HBO Max and and all the Disney stuff and and everything else that's that's will be uh, competing for our our eyeballs in in twenty twenty one and beyond. But yes, Barrett, it is wild that we forgot to say. <laughs> okay, um, my next little tidbit here is uh, so I I've talked a little bit about Dumois, the Instagram yeah. account uh, on yeah. some recent episodes. And it's going to be a nice little source of tidbits. I'm not going to start throwing out all the the crazy like like you know rumors and like who slept with who and like sure, sure, who's, sure. who's hooked up with actors because you can just go do that yourself on on Dumas Instagram. Um, but there there are some interesting things that kind of bubble up entertainment news wise. So that are that are deserving of discussion. That are deserving of dis- discussion. So one that stuck out to me was this. There's been some chatter uh, recently about the Gossip Girl reboot. And some people that had auditioned, like, sent in, you know, like, some of the names of the of the characters that are coming up. Okay. And um, with that information, it was discovered that six or seven of the the kind of the, the now known slash leaked characters uh, have Instagram accounts. And so it, it's just kind of, I thought that was newsworthy and... Interesting, and I'm honestly surprised that I haven't heard of a TV show doing this before, but it makes total 1 million percent sense. Gossip Girl is the perfect show to do this, where, you know, we're we're used to a show like maybe Westworld or Game of Thrones, where 
where the online culture of it all is very sure. important to the watching and the viewing of the show. Sure. You, you want to read Ask the Maester. You want to go on Reddit and read about some theories, like right, like that. Yeah. That piece of the pie is significant to your viewing experience of just the flat out show. Well, now for a show like Gossip Girl, where there's some unknown but known narrator, and you're, you're dealing with like the, the the personal and social lives of of all these people. Well, now right. those characters are even going to have Instagram accounts that you can go follow, and I bet that they will relate to the show and have uh, almost, even kind of like uh, like Watchmen did with the little website that you could go to to get right. more and further information. Like this this blending of the internet and now especially social media with a TV show is another kind of like interesting wrinkle to to kind of look out for um, with with some upcoming shows and. And we'll we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that does. But it's it's totally conceivable that 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 becomes more and more normal. I'm sure. Well, I mean, especially because the version of it that we've always seen is is what you touched on a couple of times. Shows will often make websites to coincide with their shows, and they'll have cool little Easter eggs and fun little things that fans can do. They've always done that. It's a thing that's happened for a long time. What you haven't seen is shows take really good advantage of social media, and when one like right. a show like that. Man, that is so ripe for content. And, yeah. and what, really, think about it. The more you can extend the universe of your television show into the real world by making these characters do things in reality on these Instagrams. And what Barrett's speaking to is that the characters have Instagram accounts, meaning the fictional characters, not the actor or actress right. is playing right. them. It's so that those characters can do things on Instagram uh, that will obviously be a marketing tool. For the show, yep. a further way for the fans to interact with the characters. Uh, I mean, really, a way for the fans to interact with the characters, period. Not a further way. And then sure. a way for the show to, to interact with the fans, which is just everybody wins. It's a, it's a very smart move. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's really... So that, that'll wrap it up kind of today for for tidbits, as I want to make sure we have got enough time to, to kind of cover this long list of shows that... Good that we've that we've got today, but uh, let's, we, let's we'll be it. back. We'll be back next week with with some with some more hot tidbits. Don't don't you worry about that. Don't you worry, such and tid and bits fans. <laughs> don't you worry. All right, let's do. Let's let's talk about our favorite television shows of the year. Then Barrett, I know that this is something you've been looking forward to. I got really excited about it after I finally made my list, um, and I really want to pay attention to how many things we mentioned that were Netflix shows just to. Just to really hammer home how stupid we are uh, when we, um, we, we when we talked about them so poorly last week. So, uh, do you want do you want to kind of start and do yours and just kind of take us through your thought process and everything, and then I'll respond and give you mine as we go. Yeah, there are a couple things that I want to that I want to preface the list with, and and they're kind of they they'll speak to to kind of larger things. Um, I, I feel like this year, I, I'm not sure. Okay, first, I, I'm, it's obviously easy to... It, one of the things that it's easy to do is compare this list to last year's list, which was kind of the first time that, that we've done this. Yeah. Um, and I felt like last year I had a better idea of what I wanted on my list. I felt like I, I looked at my list and I was like, oh yeah, it's these 10 shows. That's pretty easy. Now I just need to kind of sort and file them. This right. year, This year I, I, I had... I, I thought that, you know, I watched a ton of good stuff. And it, r- really, there there's an argument for for stuff that I left off to be on here, and um, I, I just thought it was a little bit more difficult to kind of like narrow this down to ten, basically. And then at the same, I, t- sorry, go ahead. I felt the same way. I just I, I wanted to 
yeah. get in there and say that that was a, this, that was part of the difficult thing for me. I thought that there were a lot that were sort of right there, mm-hmm. like on the cusp altogether. Um, like the back half of my list, a lot of them could have been interchanged with things that made my honorable mentions, just because it's it was it it was not as like oh these are all standout. This is easy, and then there's a couple that maybe I have to argue nine and ten or whatever. This was like the last five were hard for me. Right, right, yeah, and um, you, and but I would also say that my that my list here th- this this year, the the top tier is is broader. Like last year, my top tier uh, was was very easy. The two best shows of the right. year for me were Succession and Watchmen, and it wasn't really that close. Right. Right. And like, uh, you know, I think you had Chernobyl up there as well, which was yeah. phenomenal. But I think overall we could agree that like those two to three things were kind of superior to everything else. This year, it's really like my, my top four ish, really top five are really kind of like tier one. And then like tier two below that, where it was like you like you mentioned that bottom five or it's kind of harder to decide. Right. Um, the other thing that I would say is, uh, you know, th- there were just more. Last year, we had shows like Chernobyl and Euphoria on there. And even in that kind of second to third tier, it felt like big properties. And I don't know if the the lack of like getting to see people this year kind of cut down on that feeling. But outside of, for for me, outside of my, uh, on my list, outside of the Queen's Gambit, there's not really anything here that I could talk to that I, or I that I could talk to people to more than a few people about, right? Very spread out, far more niche. Like, oh, maybe this friend's watching this, and that one's watching this, and my mom is watching this one. But like, n- not none of those, not a lot of those big kind of tent poles, where it felt like, even if you're not watching this, you know about it, you know about it, you know that people are talking about it, you know that it's that it's out there and it's happening and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it's kind of a weird, I think that that's a symptom of the, the weird year and, and not being so. able to see people and go out and, and socialize as much. I think uh, so you know, too. We, were, we were just kind of all in our pods, just like enjoying what we were enjoying. But yeah, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the year when it was like, we, the thing that was most taken away from me on that front was that when we get to a dinner and everybody talks about their shows and that spreads that information, right? That's word right. of mouth recommendations that you're getting. And it's the most trusted way to, to find new content, new podcast, a new book, a new movie, a new TV show, right? Yep. Directly from your friends, your closest friends. That being removed, like you said, I felt like everybody was just sort of finding and clicking and watching and binging and like just kind of more random. So all of us were less organized as squads and therefore... Yeah. Our lists are a little more scattered. I completely agree. There are only two or three of my 10. If you're really going to not, like, if you don't count documentaries, for instance, two or three of my 10 shows that I could comfortably bring up in a setting with a few people and feel like they would even know what I was talking about. <laughs> right. You right. know, be comfortable yeah. and, and feel like they would for sure know this show. So, yeah, it was definitely a more scattered year on that front. Um, And then the final thing that I'll, I'll say here before I jump into my list is... Th- th- this was kind of a something that happened to me um in the really in the last several months i would say but i i don't consider myself like a much of a i don't consider period pieces to be something that i like seek out right. I, I enjoy them i like them but i i'm i don't i don't think about that as like one of my favorite genres right i don't okay not obsessed with period pieces they don't jump right to the top of my list 
But basically from the Queen's Gambit on, I realized how much I was enjoying anything that took me back to a to a non-modern time period. And again, another symptom of the year. But it's like, you know, I can't watch stuff like High Fidelity, for example, which is a great show that's on my list and not think about what I'm missing. Right. Right. Like I'm missing that social interaction with my friends. I'm missing walking into a record store or a clothing store and with no mask on and like, you know, having a day and going out to a bar or a show at night and like, you know, you're off your clothes, rolling around on the ground, shitting yourself. Yeah, I know what you mean. All all of that. So anything that's modern was almost like a reminder of of what we can't do anymore. Right. Right. And and then just on top of that, there was like, you know, I, I probably looked at my phone more than I ever have this year. And I and I hate that. And you watch it like the like the social dilemma on Netflix. And so that, that was another piece of it. Getting to a pe- getting to a period where there was none of that just felt really, really refreshing. One more thing to add here, how disastrous the political climate is in the country at this point. Now, right. I, I, I realize that there's always been strife and there's always been protests and there's always been something that people were upset about. But I, 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 by and large, I think that everybody agrees that it's never been quite like this. We're we're more divided, it seems. Yeah. Um. And, and so watching that stuff play out, whether it was like all the way back to the 17 or 1800s or even just like the stuff that I really, really loved was taking place in the 1950s and 60s. Um, I, I was just so, so drawn to, um, to, to, to that, to anything that took me to, a, a to yesteryear, basically to a, to a time period of long, long ago. Um, and so for that same reason, you know, I've, I, like I just mentioned, I've just started the crown, not on my list cause I'm nowhere close to season four yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm loving it's another one that takes place right there in the 1940s and 50s and 60s. And, and I'm I'm really, really enjoying just everything from the style to the decoration to the to the to the lack of technology. And um, that is that is a minor theme of my list here. That's another thing, Barrett, is it's, you know, my life has always been hell. So I've always enjoyed period pieces <laughs> for that very reason, because they take you from the here and now yeah. into another place. Do, OK, do you want to start by going through some of our. Uh, Honorable mentions that didn't make it. Uh, yeah, let's do it because that way the list is more like okay. Then now, then what did make it? Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just gonna throw some of mine out that I that I have reasons for okay. not being on my top ten. All right. One is the Mandalorian. It's because I'm not done, and that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I am very confident that it may shake its way into the bottom three. Uh, I, I, it's just going to depend, man. I'm only three in, four in, um, and I got to get to that ending. I obviously know kind of how it goes. I'm, I'm very excited about it. It seems like it's executed very well based on the response from the populace, uh, general populace, but I got to watch it before I can put it on my list. It's just not fair. Um, another one that I did not put on here that I feel like weird about is Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's, I don't know if it's because it's 10 seasons, you know, we're just, it's been going so long. It feels like putting The Simpsons on my list or something at this point. Or if it's that Curb is just a comedy and it's this 20 minute little deal. It's like, I don't feel the same. Like, it doesn't feel right putting that up against things that are an hour long and dramatic. And I, I don't know. It just, I love Curb. Everybody knows how I feel about Larry David. I wear the man's face on a giant t shirt a few times a month. So, didn't make my list, but something that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, Space Force 
was a good show that I watched this year that I feel like deserves to be on this list because it looks dumb as shit and like <laughs> one of those things that nobody would ever watch, but it was enjoyable and I I just liked it. It's not something that I considered in my top 10. It didn't fight with any of my top 10 to, for a slot, but something that was worth mentioning. Um, and then I also wanted to throw, oh, I guess my two most shocking honorable mentions, three really, are The Outsider, did not make my top 10. Okay. Very enjoyable, but just all said and done, looking back on it, picking from HBO's catalog this year. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't my, it wasn't my one. And uh, Lovecraft Country, same kind of reason. It's like, there's, it's, I, I really, what it came down to, Barrett, is like there were shows that were higher quality, perhaps, than other shows that ended up on my top 10. But my enjoyment and entertainment factor was higher with the ones that ended up on my list. Yeah, and just to to speak right there to 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 the two that you just mentioned, The Outsider and Lovecraft Country. Yeah, th- there is only one show on my list that had an episode I didn't love. Okay, so if they had e- every other show middle... on my list, like straight through, right. I loved every episode. And with the, both The Outsider and Lovecraft Country, I thought that they had, for Outsider, it dragged in those mid-late episodes a little bit, and I felt like we could have done without them. It was definitely one where I, I that that probably should have been six or eight episodes instead of ten. Um, and then for Lovecraft Country, I just thought, uh, you know, it, again, all credit to, to a show that strove to be that ambitious. Right. But cramming so much in just kind of let some episodes down more than it did and and you know to to that point it made the highs really high for that show it did but but it was a little bit too much of a roller coaster ride for me to to include on my top 10 and and one other one I'll throw out there that I feel like is it's a seasonal deal and it's it's something that I don't really consider uh, uh eligible to make my mm-hmm. top 10 but I really enjoyed it and want to give it some props is the haunting of Bly Manor uh that was really well done that was a very enjoyable season of television very cool story uh I, I was I was surprised. It was one of the more surprising successes of the year for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to give it some respect. But again, not on my top ten, and that's it for my honorable mentions. Is there anything you um, want to throw out? Yeah, so I'll, I'll mention a couple more things. My sh- my list is pretty thirty thirty minute episode, half hour uh, episode heavy. Um, and not so, it, it, d- right, oh, yeah, um, and that doesn't mean that they're all comedies. Don't d- don't get it twisted. But uh, it, you know, so. A little bit because of that, but also because the second season didn't quite live up to the first. Um, Pen Fifteen is an honorable mention for me. Ooh, uh, I still still really really enjoyed the show, but uh, it 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 was also one that really really like cracked last year because it was so novel to have um, Anna Anna Conkle and Maya Erskine um, playing them their their seventh grade selves as thirty year olds was just like kind of you know. It was a, a wild low. move. Yeah. It was very novel, uh, and we now I've seen it, so I you know it wasn't so wasn't so novel anymore. Still a great show. Um, let's see what else do I have. Let's see on here. Um, uh, shouts to Dark, just a really fun ride. Didn't make my list. Uh, Dead to Me on uh, a Netflix show. It had a really great second season, one that I thought was much better than the first. Um, you mentioned Lovecraft Country. Uh, you mentioned the haunting of Bly Manor, uh, the boys, not on my list. Wow. Yeah, 
Okay. Very, very close. There, I'm, I'm going to give you, I probably have three that just missed my list that are, that are, I bet they're all on yours. Okay. And then, and we can, we can use this to, to jump right in, but it's the boys. Yep. Uh, devs. Yep. And zero, zero, zero. Yep. But also dark. Oh yeah. Dark too. So fourth, those four all on my list. Could yeah, you know me pretty they, well. They, they essentially, it's it's hard to explain why they they got bumped in favor of some other stuff. But I think what it comes down to is that the bottom have my, the, the there are a few shows that I have here that I'll mention that are all pretty good hangs, pretty feel good shows. Sure, and they and they just usurped something like zero zero zero, which I thought was phenomenal, but wasn't the easiest watch for me. Sure, totally fair. Let me let me start by giving you my ten nine eight. How about that? Because yeah, here's the let's thing. start there. Uh, I cheated with my number ten. I threw three documentaries into the ten slot. All right, because I don't okay. think documentaries should count. But this was the year of the documentary in terms of everybody watching them. Uh, not necessarily. You know, we all know that that this sort of era of docs kicked off before twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But because we were all stuck in our houses, it caught fire. <coughs> Tiger King, of course, being the biggest one. Uh, and of course, that being a Netflix property, Tiger King was amazing. The Last Dance, also a Netflix property, amazing. Loved it. Finally got through it. I, I am a huge basketball fan, man. So that was like an easy win for me. Obviously, it was crazy that I didn't watch it when it was live with everybody else. But I had a lot going on in my life at that point. And uh, The Vow, Keith Raniere, that dude will stuck be stuck in my head forever and ever. So my number ten is those three documentaries. My number nine are two of the shows. Or is one of the shows you just mentioned is Dark, and Dark is toward the bottom out of respect for Dark. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I never will. I loved it, and it was very hard on my brain. Um, so I, I had to get it in there, but it's in the nine slot. And then my eight is zero zero zero. I really liked it. I like this is one that fought for for slot position in terms of the 8 9 10 slot where it was going to be it's one that I battled with like Lovecraft Country and The Outsider to maybe be off the list instead of one of those but at the end of the day I, I really really liked it it was different than anything else I watched in the in the way it was done and it was different it was a new spin on that drug crime world that I I'm obsessed with so that's my 1098 Docs then Dark and 000 at the 8 spot okay um so f- so for me um my number 10 is the Mandalorian, which did, which came just short on your list. Um, this well, is the, and only because I haven't finished it again. Right. And th- this is the show where there were, uh, where there was one episode. It's that second episode that I, that I thought was kind of a whiff to be perfectly frank. Yeah. Um, but beyond that episode, I thought that this show was deserving of credit and a place on this list because to me, it took a step up. Right, it, it, and and we talked about that with, uh, in our coverage of it uh, kind of over an the unexpected last over the last couple well. of weeks. But it was kind of an un- unexpected step up, and for it to be able to kind of like walk the line between the kind of adventure of the week, and then having this like much serious, much darker, much more meaningful uh, storyline between uh, Mando and the child that really developed into like a true father son type thing this year. It was just really stunning to watch in those last few episodes. The the first one with Timothy Oliphant and the the sandworm, just absolutely incredible way to bring you back into the world. And then the la- the last few where we get um some of the some some of the characters that people are familiar with 
and uh, we get some real major plot developments and, and storyline. Huge moments. Yeah. Not to mention Pedro Pascal's uh, beautiful mug on our screens. It was just, it was enough to um, to kind of, to get it to this to this list. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's look. It's one of the biggest shows of the year. No matter how you shake it. Like my mom bought my girlfriend's little baby girl a Grogu doll for Christmas as an example. She didn't know what to make of it, by the way, but she did buy her one. <laughs> so yeah, the Mando- the Mandalorian is deserving, man. I can't wait to finish it. It's a great show. They did really there, did take a step up this year. There's probably like a YouTube video that that she can watch. That's just like a, a supercut of all of the cute baby Mando moments. Uh, I'm sorry, baby Yoda moments, and it's then gr- baby Grogu appropriate. Moments. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe, and then she'll then she'll be obsessed just like we all are. Yeah. My number nine was the Plot Against America HBO miniseries. Okay. Um, you spoke very highly of this. Yeah, it feels like so long ago, but again, it was one that took me to to that that kind of you know early twentieth century time period, but in a in a not so fun way. Um, but I just remember I, I was so struck by the show and so kind of impressed with with how it took an alternate reality essentially which is not the easiest thing in the world to do and and made it really hum because of its like uh kind of parallels to to our own modern environment right that um it just was it it stuck with me and and it snuck here on this list this is one that like again like i don't think many people watch this show man but but it was uh it was it, it just really left its impact on me um okay and my number eight my number eight is Dave. Dave at at the eight slot. All right, and the eight slot. Do you let's? Do you want to wait to talk about Dave? No, let's just talk about it now. Dave's okay. in my two hole, though. Okay, Dave's in my two hole. This that's, one, that's a, this one, that's the proper place for Dave. I'd say is in the two hole. Yes, I agree. Uh, look, <laughs> look, man, this two hole of a floppy rubber doll, no less. This show had too many things about it that we could sit here and bring up, like the floppy rubber doll, the milking table. <laughs> Um, there were moments that were so funny that I, that I was laughing to the point that I was tearing up. There were moments that were very sad and serious. It was it was reflective. It was uh, ambitious. It was deep. I thought that it was one of the another big surprise of this year. Like, I, look, we all love Lil Dicky. He's a funny ass rapper, but this show was a bigger deal than his rap career has been so far. Um, he has had hits. Don't get me wrong. Th- that's that is fair. That is a fair statement. But this was a massive success critically. Uh, I- I'm not sure how it did commercially, but it was one of the best things I watched this year. It ended up my second favorite thing on television that I watched in all of 2020. And and I obviously love rap. I'm obviously a white dude. Um, and the way all that, and I obviously have mental health issues that I battle, and so all those things kind of tied together in that. Again, sort of like a layup for them, but uh, for Comedy Central, right? Comedy Central? Uh, FX. FX, FX, excuse me. God, I'm just trying to credit. Those two sometimes still, I think, are the same thing in my head, and they're not. Like Comedy Central and FX are like in the exact same slot. I don't know why. In my, <laughs> well, they do, in my silly they're, brain. They're, so there are, it, that's actually not surprising because there are so many um, kind of connections there are a lot, there's stuff that like was that was FX like uh, Always Sunny that I think now gets rerun on okay. Comedy Central. Okay, that makes and sense. and FX does have stuff that you know Archer, uh, Always Sunny, like Dave that like very easily could be Comedy Central. Comedy properties. Central or Adult Swim. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Okay, yeah. So give me your uh, Dave takes. Um, again, I, I I look at my list here, and you know, it it might be the most unique show. It, it That's one of the reasons be, it was so high for me. Yeah, it, it might be the the one that that I could call the most novel. Um, and it did that to to great effect. I, I was really surprised with with how deep it did get in the back half. And I thought that was important to the show because without it, I think this is a is it's probably a little too slapstick, and would still be funny. But the fact that they deal with those real those real human issues, like you're talking about, and then especially with the the, the storyline there of of you know dealing with the relationship and a career that that requires a strange a, devo- a strange devotion and, and a, a persona, persona on top yeah. of that. I thought was really, really fascinating. Um, no, it tackled the it tackled race, it tackled the relationship thing, it yeah. tackled career stuff, it tackled friendship, mental health issues. It delved into a lot of different places. You did not expect the show with the floppy uh, yeah. thing in the in the milking table to have, and that right, was, what right, was exactly. what made it so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. It was a great and, show, man. Yeah, it was it, it was. Really good. I'm, I'm. I cannot wait to see what, what they come back with for season two on Dave. So you're ten nine eight again. One more time, sir. Uh, from ten, what? Uh, ten, the Mandalorian. Nine, the plot against America. Eight, Dave. Right on. Right on. Okay, I'll give you my seven six five, Barrett. Let's do. Let's do seven six. Let's do seven. Okay, six. seven six. And then we'll talk top five. My number seven. Top five. Top five. Top five. My top number five, seven is the Queen's Gambit, and right. I. I understand that for a lot of people, this show is perhaps higher in their top 10, um, if not one of their top three. And I, and I completely respect that. It's just that for me, The Queen's Gambit is one of those ones that's on my list because it was so enjoyable and it got me out of my head and it took me mm-hmm. to this place and it, it was really well done. Don't get me wrong. It just like looking back at it, it didn't have the most to say. So it was more just the fun story and ride. And, 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 you know, not to take anything away from it. We need these shows, too. That's why it's on my top ten. Yeah. It just, for me, what you obviously will notice as we go through these, look, the deeper, darker stuff and the stuff that delves into big issues and problems and, and, and that gets you to really examine your life and shit, like, that's the stuff I really, really love. And, and, and no disrespect to Queen's Gambit. Great show. Great, great show. Huge win for Netflix. Very disrespectful that we forgot about it last week deservedly on my list just a little bit further down than i think some people might have thought so that's my number seven yeah um my number seven is ted lasso i knew it was going to be on yours i was curious as to where so here's what i'll say about ted lasso and and beyond like it's the quirky hijinks and how funny this show is uh, and i can't remember if i've said this on the podcast or not maybe i have but it's it's worth reiterating this show as a lighthearted 30-minute comedy challenged everything that I had learned about TV over the last five years. It it flipped the script and it literally turned me on my head watching it. Because I, I and and th- and that is why it went from being like not only just like heartwarming and good natured, which was perfect and 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 something that we all needed in this year, but that's why it's on it, it it's all the way up to to number seven on my list is because of of kind of what it what it made what it said about the modern landscape of television but this show which was like you know 
I would say in between PG-13 and R, there were there's some cursing and, and there's some sex and stuff like that. But it, it, it wasn't, you know, nasty by any means. It was very, very warm. Um, and it was on Apple TV. And just at every turn, when a new character would get introduced or a new plot line would develop, I was just expecting the worst. I was like, oh, this new friend that came in. Oh, this is bad. This is bad for Ted, man. This is bad. Oh, the the this uh the the soccer manager, the the owner, something this is going to be real bad. This is going to be bad. And just like every step of the way, I was waiting for that other shoe to drop, for right. something to get really dark, for something awful to happen. And instead, it it man it zagged so hard. It always went the other way. That new character was just a nice person. This relationship is going to get fixed. This like like this person is going to forgive this other person because that's what normal people in the real world that are good hearted do. Right. And Man, this just, year really fucked up your head. We're we're so trained based on these TV shows that we watch. Yeah. To just ready to we're just ready for somebody to get stabbed in the back, literally or metaphorically. Exactly. No, and that's that's very fair, man. Most of the shows on my list, like they introduce a new character, and you're like, this person's either going to kill one of my existing characters or get killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the the fact that this show was like kind of like rewired those synapses in your brain to to stop expecting people to do bad shit was really really nice. And really, at this point in television, um, with with the access and the amount of streaming services and the amount of premier TV that's out there prestige tv whatever you need that and that's what makes a great show is when you're watching and you start to try to guess what's going to happen right and then you're wrong or you can't because the show goes another way or does something different or changes things up and and i'm I'm excited eventually to get to ted lasso based on how highly you and my mother uh both spoken of it yeah yeah and lots of people in the clam fam as well shouts to y'all okay what's your six my six is third the third day on hbo um, okay. not one I didn't get to. It was a weird one. Uh, it, it was, it was re it, it was just captivating to me, man. It was, it's, there's very little lightheartedness or joking in it. Not an easy watch in terms of 2020, but it kind of took place in this fantastical environment that was, it was real world, but enough removed to, to, to for you to know, like kind of take the weight away from it, I guess, um, to not make it quite so heavy. And it was just really cool and original the way they did it. It was shot beautifully. The cinematography and the effects they use to to capture this sort of magical nature of this island that you're on were incredible. And it was just all all the way through very enjoyable. It was shorter in terms of length. I think it was only six (laughs) episodes, little mini-series, right? And uh, it got our boy Jude Law in there, and and pretty much any time you can get him doing something good that's not Pope related, I'm I'm on board. So. Now, now, did you go back and 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 watch the 24 hour live stream to complete the uh, the experience? I haven't, and maybe someone would argue <laughs> that makes it not fair that I put it on this list. But look, I didn't catch the live stream live, so I refuse to take part in it at this point. Uh, that, right. Well, that's the thing about a live stream. You got to be there live. Yeah. 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 Live. What's your number six? Uh, my number six is High Fidelity. This was all the way up at number two on my um, on my on my top uh, top five halfway, so a lot of stuff slid in here above it. Uh, but and and it probably doesn't quite deserve to be in the top five because, like you said, it's one of these shows that like you know it 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 talks about relationships and what it's like to be young and single and living in the city. But it didn't have any really greater bigger message than that not that tv shows have to say something profound 
but um, it was uh, uh, what I'll say for it is that it was my favorite hang on this entire list. It was the the show that I most wanted to just like go home, sit down, and hang out with these characters who were themselves just hanging out in a record shop, right? Um, and Zoe Kravitz, a really, really, I, I thought, kind of, if not star making, um, really just like proof in the pudding that she has a lot of range and can carry something on her own. And so is she uh, significantly different than Big Little Lies, Zoe Kravitz. Oh my God! Yes, really. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. very interesting to me because I've only ever seen her in that. Right. Uh, no, totally different. Okay. Um, and there's also there's an episode here. There's there's there one episode in particular which is probably like one of my top five episodes of the year. Um, it's it's not 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 all the way to being a bottle episode, but it does revolve around like one kind of specific. Only one thing is happening. Okay. So we don't we kind of don't bounce around to the other characters. Uh, and it, it was just really kind of fascinating. And it revolves around a, a, a guy's record collection and kind of spins off into commentary about how... No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Um, about how... Really about... I don't want to say like all outright feminism... But it's it's more about how like women aren't respected in certain circles. Okay, uh, when when they obviously should be, and just kind of like the, that episode kind of kind of sealed it for me as a really phenomenal show. And um, man, R.I.P. R. and peace to this one. It's really really devastating that this one is is kaput. Yeah, it's one especially you know being that high on your list. You, anything that you feel has a ton of potential to go long to see it cut down by a historical event basically in the in the form of this international pandemic is it's unfortunate and that's again Barrett and I have spoken about this a lot that this thing the environment covid all this that's playing a massive role in what we get and when we get it and what shows are continuing to go forward versus not and it's changing the way studios are looking at their budgets and this this was high fidelity was high fidelity was an example of one of the casualties of this thing. Now other reasons probably too involved, but shame they couldn't couldn't get it to work. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Let's get into our top five, Barrett. Okay, maybe it'll cheer you up. <laughs> it will and it won't. Okay, good. Um, I'll start with my number five, which is where Dev slid in. Okay, it was uh, look we we spent a lot of time talking about this show on our podcast and it was one that for that reason probably got more respect um than than some of the others i i just liked what they were able to do it, it and i liked especially the way they were able to wrap it up and sort of end it without me needing anything else you know i didn't feel like i wanted more from the show than it gave me and uh visually it was obviously pretty stunning very cool was one of the cooler shows. Like week to week, I knew each episode that I watched was going to be very cool. So I thought Devs was really incredible on every, uh, you know, every line item that you had there. It excelled. It was am- amazing visually. It was super weird. The whole just like watching an entire show that was almost entire completely about like uh, determinism, determinism, right, and free will. And w- how you could potentially manipulate that, the multiverse, the whole thing, 
was phenomenal. The the uh, let's talk about the score for two yeah, seconds. Man. I mean, yeah. really incredible stuff there that they did with sound um, and with just the overall kind of like sensory experience. Yes. Um, totally like uh, like I said, it almost made my list. When it comes down to it, for me, you know, we talk about like what these shows talk about, what they look like, what's their message. This is acting at the end of the day, though. Yeah. And for me, performances are weighted as much, if not more than, this other stuff that we're talking about. These damn kids ruined it for you. And I could not get, I, I could not quite get past um, the performances from our lead and the uh i'm pulling them up right now i got your back jamie and jamie so lily chan and jamie who were played by lily and and jen ha i thought that those performances were okay but not great yeah they took they took you out of it i remember it was uh week to week we were trying to dodge basically bad bombshells from lily chan and jamie because because you were not into those characters i totally understand that I like on I the, said when we discussed side, it. Allison, Allison Pill and Nick Offerman were f- incredible. Yes. as were the as were the two. Um, Stewart was our, awesome as Stuart well. Stewart and and uh, and the the Stewart's friend, the young one. Yeah, I can't remember what. what I mean that was, whole episode. That whole episode where she gets where where she gets her to. Um, oh, Lyndon. Lyndon, where she gets Lyndon to. Lyndon might have been a. Uh, God, I'm probably putting my foot in my mouth here. Lyndon was potentially like non-binary or, or right, or, uh, right, right. We didn't know a guy. What actually? Specifically... I think I think Lyndon was a guy, but the actor, but the but the actor is a girl, I believe. There was something like that non-binary. Yeah, yeah. There was something like that in there. But that, but that, that whole episode and scene where Allison Pill's character essentially gets Lyndon to 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 kill themselves is is was wild. I mean, yeah. really incredible stuff. It was impactful, man, and the things you so it, spoke to that it played with, all that... It had good performances. It had good performances. I just thought two of the most important ones were a little lacking. Yeah, yeah, and I was able to uh, overlook those. So anyway, that one, Dev's at my five slot for all those reasons. Great show. Okay, so my number five, uh, kind of like you with your number 10, I'm cheating here a little bit. Okay. Because this show is technically a 2019 show. Okay. But it... it, it it, for 2018 and 19 for seasons uh, two and three, it released in December. And that's a really weird time for a show to release, especially for these year-end lists. Right. Um, and I, I waited almost a whole year to even begin watching the third season of this show, but I just ra- wrapped it up over the holidays, and it was a total return to form, and it's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay. Uh, in, incredible season three they really uh, season two. I felt was kind of trying to live up to season one a little bit, right? And it, it and and it it just kind of bit off more than it could chew. It tried to get too cute, tried to take you to too many unique places. Uh, th- this one was back to just like let's focus on the comedy, let's focus on these amazing characters that we've built, and let's just do what we know how to do, and that's make a really really fun, but also really really kind of like emotional show dealing with when it comes down to it, family. Um, and we're dealing with family and we're also dealing with the, with, with Midge Maisel's pursuit of a career in comedy, which was essentially, 
you know, not, not unprecedented at that point, but but the way that she was doing it was certainly unique and different. She wasn't playing a character on stage, and the kind of her predecessors were kind of caricatures on right. on stage. She's just herself talking about herself, and um, they 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 kind of they shortened it a little bit. This season was eight episodes instead of ten, which is always worrisome. Kind of, you know, like you're like say you say, hey, why do you do that? Why and well, now this you, only, one, you only got eight episodes for me now. Yeah opposite of the outsider like i i I desperately wanted 10 here at the same time i think part of the reason that this season was a return to form and was so great is because not a moment not an episode went wasted like it it, constantly moving constantly funny constantly just like just excellent just absolutely excellent and um the, the the show that it bumps out of the top five for me high fidelity which i called the best hang right maze was really really close like it to to being as as fun of a hang it's just got even more to say and do and comment on and it has even more characters that i love and uh it's just it, it it's it's great I'm, I'm very happy that this show um not a it's fourth season was a casualty of the pandemic it obviously would have returned this year um, but they are getting back to filming early January. Rachel Brosnahan, who plays the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, posted some uh, some Instagrams uh, from her fittings, from her first fittings. Ooh. So it is coming back. But uh, in an interview, the the creator Amy Sherman Palladino has talked about how the pandemic could affect the length of this show overall, the number of seasons that it gets. And so we're we're we're. Uh, High fidelity will not be the last will not be the last sad casualty because even if these shows are able to come back, there's ones where the creators are just talking about how like, man, my show requires movement. It requires closeness. It requires being in in various places. And it's just these are things that they're going to have to see how they go. Right. They're going to see if they can pull it off with all these crazy production uh, restrictions and parameters and. And um, not to mention all these shows are getting more expensive because of the added risk and the added insurance and the added security and all the testing and all the, you know, just all the PPE and just like everything in between that is now required to like add a layer of safety to these shows. Right. It's got it's it it is going to end some shows early and it's going to kill some shows or, uh, you know, in their prime as well. And delay and so some that, and take longer for some. Yeah. It's just going to be I hope weird. that this is one that, that, that is able to be successful despite it, the, you know, the, the new, the new hangups and the new obstacles that, it, that it will, that it will incur, uh, because it's, it's really, really just, an, a, to use the word, it's marvelous. Marvelous, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay, I'll do. I'll give you my four and my three here. Okay. Um, Ozark slid in at my number four spot. All right, Ozark season what four three? I think it was three. And uh, I, I, look, this is a show that again, it's it's one that it was. I, I would almost compare it to The Mandalorian in that I expect it to be a little basic. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not Breaking Bad. Okay, it's like Breaking Bad light or something right. like that. But the show continues to find ways to elevate itself and get darker and get more serious and sort of continue to develop the situation in a way that, that man, look, I love Jason Bateman. And at this point, I love really all the characters on the show. They all do a really good job and all the actors that play them. I think the writers have done a good job of keeping it fresh. And the, this particular season this year just kind of like, 
it just hit hit for me. It was uh, entertaining and and it was also very high intensity so that I was locked in. And Ozark slid in at the number four for that reason. Three for me is one that didn't make your list and it's The Boys to get into my okay. top three. I'm really looking forward. I mean, I guess I want to hear more of your reasoning for what it was that that got the boys to sort of slide for you. Um, and then I'll, I'll respond to that if that's okay with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the first, I think the first thing that I would say is that it's going to always be really hard for a superhero show to crack my top 10. Yeah. I think Um, it's just that this one's so different with the anti-hero nature of it and the, that sort of everything they're playing with there that I don't necessarily care because I'm not a superhero guy just like you're not really, right? Unless it's Batman, I'm sort of like, eh, whatever. I'm not getting into the next Wonder Woman thing, which, by the way, sounds like it's not going particularly well. I've heard that it's not great. (laughs) People are making (laughs) a a lot of fun of it, um, which is very unfortunate, but it is what it is. It happens. Anyway, I'm not a superhero guy. Why do these people... Why? Hollywood, come on, man! I know you guys are all big listeners. Every major player in yeah. Hollywood listens to this. Yeah. Listens to this show. They're waiting on pins and needles for this particular episode. Yes. Just stop making your movies two and a half hours. They do not all deserve a hundred and fifty minutes, man. Yeah, you guys would save a lot of money this way too. We're trying to help you out. Like times like a, are tough. Ch- a, shave twenty five mil off there. A two hour movie is a is a great length for almost every movie. That's not some crazy like super intense wild you know auteur vision that needs longer wonder woman 2 a sequel of a superhero movie does not need to be two and a half hours long i promise you i think i may be doing my cheat nope nope wait season two finished september okay so never mind was this season two of the boys Right, that yes. I watched? Uh-huh, yeah. And was that technically 2019, maybe? No, 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 no. That was earlier this year, man. It was like Labor Day. Okay, I thought so, too. All right, so yeah, anyway, The Boys Land's on my list, man. It, it, look, it wasn't a... I wouldn't say the show took massive leaps forward or anything. It kind of stayed in its lane as far as how much I enjoy it, but last season one was good enough, and season two was uh, I, enough I actually, fun. I mean, I, I did think that this that this season was better than, than the first. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's... I, it really does boil down to the superhero thing. I, yeah. You got people that can do all sorts of incredible stuff that that doesn't exist. Um, yeah, a, and I, I don't know. It, it, it's man. I would it, argue hard, the it's show. It's hard to kind of frame up, but but even like some of the the superhero movies that have done similar things, whether that's like Deadpool or Guardians of the Galaxy to a lesser extent. What was that Will like, Smith one? The the old one? Oh yeah, no! Wait. wait, Suicide Squad? Nah, he flew around like drunk. H- H- Hancock? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hancock. Um, yeah, I don't know. There there was just something about this show that, like you know, like I said, it was an honorable mention for me, but I I don't know what it would have to do to to crack this list. Um, it's a Barrett bias. You have a Barrett bias. It's just a. It's just a. Yeah, it really is. It's it's a it's a hang up that I have yeah. with, with with putting a show with a, that that revolves around superheroes on here. Yeah, it's personal preference, baby. 
Yeah. Do your thing. My number, I'm just, you already know my number two is Dave. So I only have my number one left. Um, so okay. feel free to rattle off your four, three, two. That, that means that we're going to have the same number one then, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Yes. So let me, let me, let me talk three and f- three and four from me real quick. Okay. Three and f- three and four is where I slotted the, the most gutting shows that I watched this year. They were, they were both absolutely phenomenal mm. and they were both. They were both um, wrecking balls as far as what they did to you while watching. Uh, and at number four, I have normal people. Okay. And at number three, I have I May Destroy You. Um, both very so, highly lauded this year. So normal people was centered around two incredible performances from two young, new actors. Uh, and and it is essentially all about their relationship over many years, which they just cannot figure out. So that's the first thing is that you constantly are rooting for these two people to figure it out and they either can't or they won't. And it's maddening, but it is also devastating because of the various things that they go through and that they see and that they experience and the other relationships that they deal with in their lives. And it's just it's it's so Man, it's just so real. Um and it it was it was it was just highly impactful to to watch and and I I don't really have a lot to add other other than amazing performances that made you feel every word that they said and every moment that they went through. Here's how um, I know it was really really good cuz in a year where you were all about trying to get your mind out of reality, yep. this one still got into your top four yeah and yeah, uh did. and you i think Des- daisy edgar jones and paul mescal are the mescal. two the two yes. new actors that you're referring to as sort of making Correct. this a powerhouse performance from both of them yes um uh, one i heard a lot about yeah, they- one i'm interested in but one that i was like yeah i'm gonna save this for like 2021 <laughs> that's probably smart yeah um uh, yeah so just really high octane performances from from those two and, and this show doesn't work without them uh, I May Destroy You. This is from Michaela Cole. It's totally her vision. It's totally her story. She's the star. Uh, she, she wrote it. And again, the, the normal people ha- has a lot of notes and, and things that you and I will will relate to. Right. right. We, we can see ourselves in, in both characters at various points. Sure. Um, and the experience that they go through is is more akin to, to, to things that, that, that we may have been through ourselves. I May Destroy You, not so much. Takes place in the UK. The leads are 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 black, and um, the the foremost story here is about sexual assault. And Michaela Cole takes it on in a way that that I don't think anybody understood or realized was possible. And that's head on. She just talks about it, and she talks and, and this show talks about every nuance that there is revolving around it. It goes into gray areas that you didn't think were even were 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 touchable for a TV show. And it does them with a plumb, and man, it makes you think every step of the way. It really, really—it's it, so lived in. It's so real. It tackles stuff on uh, with social media as well. It tackles stuff with family. It tackles stuff with your friends and and how you support them or or don't support them. Uh, and, and then on top of all that, like I just said, like it, it, it man, it talks a lot about sexual assault and just a really, really, really incredibly powerful way. And I think this was. This was at the top of a lot of lists this year. It was. Um, and I, I, like I said about performances be, being worth as much as 
as messaging in shows. Mm -hmm. You know me. You see my list. Enjoyability is also up there. Sure. So the the two the two shows that I have above this were just flat out more enjoyable. And so I'm 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 giving my brain a break. I'm I'm sure it's it's a it's a cop out if you want to call it that. But I'm just choosing here in my top four. And really, like I said, this top five from with Maisel, Normal People, I May Destroy You, and then the top two. It, this is tier one television for me. All interchangeable arguments it's all could be pretty, made for it's all It's all pretty interchangeable, but just for my list, I, I sure. slotted these two shows that that were a little bit harder to watch, that I kind of had to like gear myself up for a little bit. I slotted them a little bit lower than my top two, which were shows that I just did not want to stop watching. That is completely fair, in uh, in my um, opinion. I'm look, this is another one I may destroy you before we move away from it that I that I do look forward to watching at some point just off of the sort of little uh, synopsis alone. It's so one it's, of those it, ones you it, read and you go, oh, well, shit, that's going to yeah. be interesting. And, and a lot like Dave, which which I said was maybe the most unique show on this list, this one's up there too, but it, it's... Uh, the content of Dave was unique. The content here is not unique. The the, the struggle angle with race, and the way they go at it. The the struggle with race and sexual assault and your friends and your family and the the torture that that social media can can ra- can bring, like those are not novel things, right? right? Very discussed. La- like like a like a white guy trying to break into rap can be unique and weird. Sure. With his friend being the manager and like all the all that shit. Uh, but yes, the approach here. Uh, and the vision and the way that she is able to talk about it and show these different characters uh, and, and kind of like th- th- each going through something different. And and even though even when it's the same thing, kind of just how it's different for uh, for a black female and a black gay man. Right. right. Like it's so she just she wasn't afraid to 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 go anywhere. And it it's such an amazing show because of that. And so if if you haven't watched it, it's it's. Normal people is it's it's a little hard for me to recommend unless you really want to see two incredible performances because it's 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 just a beating. It's just such a beating. Yeah. Um. There there's a little bit more hope in I May Destroy You okay. even even though the subject matter is probably a little bit darker and more significant. Well, it is a it, um, you know that's one of the things that'll stand out to you is that it's a British comedy drama television series and then it settles it focuses on this. Yeah, horrifying there are, there are fu- action, right? So that's there what makes are funny it so moments, and I may destroy you. There's not that many funny moments in normal people. <laughs> it's a comedy drama, and that's something that, yeah. like, when you can mix those two successfully, I'm in, man. I'm in. Yeah. Um. So just a quick a quick mention for my number two before we talk about our number one here. Yeah. My number two is the Queen's Gambit. Okay. Um. I, I talked up top about how much I love just being in that world, in that world in 1950s and 1960s. Um, I I was, when they go to Mexico city and Las Vegas and you get to see those two locations as they, as they may have been in the 1950s and sixties. Yeah. I I, I was like, you'd think I'd like, like done some, some, some Molly or something. (laughs) I was just so joyous in those moments watching those places. And then on top of that, to have Anya Taylor-Joy, whose performance was um, probably my favorite here. It's uh, one of I, my I favorites, think, to be sure, from this year. Um, she was just a, a, a tidal wave, man. Um, and, and it's not a gaudy performance at all. No. It's really subtle. It's a it's a lot of emotion in the eyes and in the face. and, and Her body movement, her, and body, her body language, language. is very yes, powerful, dude. man. Uh, and then, um, man, th- this is, you, you guys know that I'm, I'm not really much of a binge watcher, 
and I, I could have watched seven episodes straight. I could have taken a Saturday and watched seven hours of this television show. Um, and, and, and to, to tell, to tell this story and to talk about like, you know, to talk about this prodigy who, who dealt with struggles from an early age, whether that was addiction or, or relationship to her mother. Um, it, it was just, it was just really something, man. It, it was such a, it was such a treat and it was such a surprise too. It really came on out of nowhere. Of all, yeah. On top of all that, it made chess sexy again, which we've something that we've all been begging for. I don't know how many times you and I were just like talking about that last year. Like, God, why isn't why isn't there a show about chess and about sexy chess in particular? Yes. Uh, and Netflix, man, to you know, shouts to them. They they heard our cries they for did. that, and they really and they made it happen. They really listened. I saw an article yesterday I, about how about the pandemic chess's popularity. The 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 pandemic boosted the popularity of Queen's Gambit because chess was something that was able mm. to be more accessible to everybody in the world right now looking for shit to do at home with each other. So, which is an obvious, you know, sort of obvi- obvious association, but it was just interesting to me that not only people are still writing about Queen's Gambit, but that they're writing about why it was so successful this year. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, to I, your I, point I saw, also, I, Barrett, sorry, one more thing. The only other deal... Uh, not a lot of my shows on my top 10 are bingeable, like you said. And if you're not counting the documentaries that I cheated with number 10, not a lot of bingeable stuff here. Queen's Gambit, very bingeable. Dave, bingeable. Yep. Our number one, you could argue probably two. But uh, Queen's Gambit, man, that was one for for certain that I wanted the next episode to start right when the prior ended. I got through it in a few days. Right. It was an incredible show. It was some, It was one of the few things this year to capture everyone's attention. Yeah, and I'm giving it some credit for that as well. I, I am as well. It's the it's one of the reasons I honestly had it down like number nine right before the, my number ten mm-hmm. documentary cheating slot, and I was like, nah, sorry, it gets more credit than zero 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 and dark because it got everybody in the same place, and that was something we needed yep. this year. So yeah, Queen's yeah, Gambit, totally, a lot of respect. Totally. Okay, so number one, it's the great, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, man, I didn't think both of us would end up with this as our number one. And it's one that, would, it wasn't like entirely obvious to me when I sat down and made my list. But by the end of me, I was like, I, when I was looking at everything I watched, I was like, well, this is my stand. It's like, it's not really that hard to make this decision. It was the great. It was, it was great. It was a great show. It was a time, it was a period piece, like you said, got us yep. out of the here and now. It was both horrifying and hysterical at different points. It yeah. got me to like one of the more heinous male uh, pieces of shit to be ever put on screen in the form of Peter. <laughs> and it was just yeah. amazing. It had every character brought something to the table that made the show more fun and interesting. And it was just episode by episode. It was the one that I couldn't, there was no lull it was the musical album that I don't have to skip a track. You know what I mean? It was like, the right. great was that this year. It was great, and it got the number one slot easy for me. But tell us about why you loved it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you, you've kind of spoken to it. No show was at, had, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like Stefan on SNL. This show had everything, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was laugh out loud funny in moments. It was very meaningful you know, it, uh, about like whether whether you want to talk about power or you want to talk about, you know, female rights or or or, you know, kind of paradigm shift change in culture as far as like arts and writing and science, what that, and look, medicine. What that looked like. Um, and it was scary 
at times. Like I was, I was tense. I was nervous for my characters. Yeah. Uh, and it was dramatic. Um, I, I mean, like it was just kind of, it, it, it had all of that. So, you know, I talked about like the, how, how the roll, the roller coaster ride of Lovecraft country with its ups and downs. Well, this was a roller coaster ride in a good way where it just was like, it had me laughing and crying and nervous and, and, and then back to laughing, like all in, in the same episode, not to mention over the course of, of the season, um, you know, as we get to the top of this list, I mentioned I, I've begun mentioning performances more and more, whether that's Anya Taylor Joy in Queen's Gambit or Michaela Cole uh, and I May Destroy You or or um, Daisy what, um, Paul Mescal and Brit. What's the the other one from Normal People? Daisy Stony Coopertown. Uh, <laughs> I'm picking it up. I'm pulling Jones? it up right now. Is, it's Jones. Last name is Jones. That'd be old Daisy Edgar Jones. Daisy Edgar Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Uh, all of those performances were great, and uh, this one had two more that are in that just like un unbelievable tier <clears throat> with uh, with Dakota El Fanning, El Fanning, El Fanning, El Fanning, and Nicholas and Holt. Nicholas Holt, yeah. Um, but they were they were magnetic, man. Uh, and then and then Leo and the rest of Court was also just phenomenal i mean adam godley um, the guy who played the archbishop was unreal sasha darwin the guy who plays orlo was awesome orlo bb fox who yeah. plays mariel was great every character I mean, truly is fun. It, it, it it's again to just to talk about how it had everything it's an ensemble cast a cast right and yet the two leads are still stand out yes i mean like every performance was phenomenal i loved all of these characters and i it, but Nicholas Holt and El Fanning, I mean, they were just on, they're on a different, on a different level, even they, while you love him and you hate him and their chemistry is, is so much fun to watch, even though you're rooting for her and Leo. Um, so it just like, it just made you feel every which direction, right? You root for wait, her and Orlo, right? Is who we root for, right? No. Oh, so, I'm no, sorry. No, or Orlo is the dude who's, uh, got glasses and is, is yes. uh, kind of a poon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian de yeah. Souza, Souza, whatever, plays uh, yeah, Leo uh-huh. and also phenomenal. Yeah, you're rooting for them. You're watching her sort of navigate. Like, she's in this position of incredible power and importance, and she wants to make this great difference in this country that she is now mm-hmm. a queen to, but she has to balance that against, one, her life, be, it, possibly being taken away, and then two, this insane, literal sociopath that she is married <laughs> to, um, and her and his insane family and the insane court and everyone surrounding him. So, yeah, it just brought the most to the table out of all these shows. Yeah, it and I mean, the most. T- talk about we talk about like how just the looks, right? Like, oh my god, production design, the the wardrobes, the the sets, like everything was just so on point here. Um, the just phenomenal writing. It really crackled. Very witty. Very funny. Uh, and, and the direction was superb as well. I, I just, I, I really can't say enough good things about the show. It, it was, it, yeah, it just, it, it, it did the most, man. It, it, it made me feel the most types of ways. It made me love it, it all of its characters uh, for better and for worse. And I, I just, yeah, I, it, it was the number one for me. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the irony of there being a pandemic in the show and the main character, uh, obviously, uh, Catherine, taking a vaccine in front of everyone <laughs> as an yeah, example. Yeah. 
to the people that look, this is safe. We all need to take this or we're all going to die. <laughs> and then that literally unfolding as every politician has had to go on TV and be like, poke me with the needle, doc. So that people will be like, all right, I trust this. I trust this. Yeah, The Great was my number one and Barrett's number one. If you haven't watched it yet, you must. Ton of incredible shows this year. You and I spoke to the oddness of 2020 and it was an odd one. We kind of had these things come out of left field like Queen's Gambit, like Tiger King, these, these few things that took over the world and kind of got all of us talking, but then there were the expected things like, or, and Dave, then there were the expected things like Ozark, uh, you know, what else? Dark, we knew that was coming. Um, the Great was one that um, was really, really was a surprise for me too, I guess, uh, in terms of Devs was a surprise, The Third Day was a surprise, Zero 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 was a surprise, it was a strange year, one that uh, I'm happy, all things said and done that we got enough good TV shows to get me through it without losing my mind. Yeah. Um, uh, just a couple more that I want to mention, not as honorable mentions, but as ones that uh, you and I kind of missed yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I just, I know that they're on a lot of year-end lists. Um, obviously, we, we've said it over and over again, but we missed Better Call Saul this year. Uh, we are, at this at this point now, I, I'm kind of, waiting for it to to get on Netflix so that I don't have to deal with like jumping through hoops to watch it on AMC. Right. Um we'll see though, but but certainly will be I, I will be prepared for the final season of that show because I, I it's a weird one. Two two of my favorite shows, Maisel, I just waited a whole year to watch hey, man. to to watch season 3. I love Better Call Saul, man. <laughs> I don't know why it just it just it slipped by. Look, th- and, there was a bunch of stuff was like too that late for me. T- is too late to catch up and now it's like in this weird ether where it's like well now i have time so i might as well watch this other stuff yep like so it just it that one just slipped slipped through um that's there for me too it's one that uh i want to give a lot of shouts to it's it's obviously one of the best shows of the year a lot of people have it on their top 10 top five lists and i love better call Saul as well it slipped into the same strange place for me can't wait to get caught up uh and then a, a new one on hbo that i that i'm hearing a lot of chatter about is called industry Yes, I have uh, heard a lot of good things about industry, which I would like to to get into. Uh, and then th- this has been really kind of a, a weird week, a, a weird holidays. Laura and I didn't do anything basically for the first time ever. So uh, I, I we we actually have had lots of couch time. It's not something that I'm 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 used to beyond you know the the hour and a half to two hours one of uh, us in the e- one in, of us in the evenings. Um, so. I mentioned starting The Crown. Yeah. We have also started uh, a show that whose season two was was very popular this year. It's a Hulu one. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, dude. So I watched this movie back in the day, remember? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so I loved it. It was hilarious. So Jermaine Clement from um, Flight of the Concords yeah. and Taika, Wat- Taika Waititi. Who uh, who directed some Mandalorian? Was the voice of the droid? Directed Thor Ragnarok. Directed uh, and starred in Jojo Rabbit. Like you know, just quite a phenomenal uh, guy out, out, he, out there. He also in, in directed uh, and wrote the the movie with Jermaine Clement as well. Right. So they star in the movie. Yeah. They're they are writers and they're in the writers' room and they are the creators of the TV show. Oh, I mean, they I mean, they, star- they did that shit for the movie too. They directed and wrote the movie as well. Yeah, right. So they they're behind the scenes on the TV show, but they're not acting in it. Got you. Anyway, uh, we've crushed like five or six episodes already. Very very funny. Okay, gotta watch like, this. Then. Super super funny. Gotta watch. This um, then. I I I think you'll really really dig it. It's it's um it's mockumentary style, so it kind of has that 
Parks and Rec office vibe to it. But then it's also really weird and British and uh, hilarious. I mean, it's just so funny. Based on my so, my idea or my uh, takeaways from after I watched the film, I'm I'm guessing the television show is right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what? And then one honorable mention that I did miss. It was on my top five halfway. It got bumped by some other stuff. And again, it it, it mostly didn't make it because. I'm really more giving it its, uh, its lifetime achievement award here rather than its you know one se- great season, but it's the good place. Yeah, uh, which I just want to mention again as as a as really phenomenal. I TV was kind of surprised that you didn't have it on your list. Uh, all things, yeah, considered. You, you know, it, it's it's I don't know, uh, I I don't know if we've put a a true like I'd have to go back and look at last year. Kind of like in the same vein as the superhero show, putting a series finale season on your top 10 feels a little like, come on. They're usually, they're usually not the best seasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's fair. I mean, you kind of feel almost obligated to. Right. So you end up not uh, doing it. I I, I thought that this, that, 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 that show came to a really great end, but, uh, but was it the very best season of that show? Did it, maybe not. And, and, and in the end stuff that. That really just like took me more by surprise, like Ted Lasso, right? Kind of, kind of bumped it off. Yeah, eh, it happens. Yeah, good list though. Yeah, great lists, good stuff. The great being uh, the top of both the bars again. Yeah, that'll do it for today's episode of OCC, produced by Mike Moody Garcia of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Huge thanks again to our sponsor from today, Lisa. Hit lisa.com slash dragon and get 15% off your mattress. If you already have a Lisa in every room in your house, then you can support us here at OCC directly by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles and joining us all 2021 as we tackle HBO's classic crime drama, The Sopranos, episode by episode, spoiler free, ad free, friendly to first time and rewatchers. Barrett's a first time Sopranos viewer. I've rewatched it several times. We're discussing spoiler-free episode-by-episode, pod-by-pod, uh, right there on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Barrett and I have done through episode four. We've got episode five upcoming this week. It'll drop Thursday afternoon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Go through. It's just five bucks to join the Crustacean Nation, our smaller tier, and uh, get access to those podcasts each and every week as we work our way through The Sopranos. Or you can do the $10 tier and get a more substantial package in the Mollusk Militia on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles as well. Barry, are you enjoying The Sopranos thus far? Man, it, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but it's... Exce- I mean, we're halfway through almost one of not the best seasons of the show no, as far not. as <laughs> what I understand... And I'm like Kramer, man. I'm loving every minute of it. And it, it, I, I, yeah, it's exceeded my expectations. Okay, it's that's really, re- it's really, really fun. The show, even in, even in its inf- infant stage here, you can see why it's good and why it's gonna get better. Uh, it's very clear. And man, t- God, it's. N- let me tell you this: it's not hard to do an episode every week about every single episode, man. There's so much to talk about. The, the 90s and the 2000s vibe is ripe for content yeah. as well. And so we're getting kind of like, we're just having a great conversation. We're talking plot, we're talking character, but we're also just talking about how, about TV in general and what this show did for it. And then also how funny it is to to look back at this uh, late 90s time capsule as well. So there's a, there's, 
man, it's it's just it's just been really fun. I'm, and I'm I'm very, very happy that, that this is what we're doing on Patreon for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I am as well. Come join Barrett and I on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles for uh, those of you who want to ride with us and watch The Sopranos for the first time. Again, it's spoiler free, friendly to first time viewers. But also if you want to rewatch it, seen it before, I give enough insight and commentary that's sort of uh, appreciable for for everybody that's a rewatcher as well to where it kind of gives you a different twist on it come through patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles and ride with us through the sopranos one of the greatest if not the greatest television series of all time ad free so support us and get more content in the form of some of the best podcasting that barrett and i have ever done so far through four episodes i've really everybody's really enjoyed saying it. everybody everybody saying is saying it. everybody in the industry is saying it yeah we are the new gold standard follow us on social media since we're the new gold standard for updates on our show and when episodes are coming out and what we're doing. We're on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, at Oysters, Clams, Cockles on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at Clams and Cockles. And then we're on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. You can follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at W-R-B-O-L-E-N at W-R-Bolin on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And listen to the Ross Bolin podcast, uh, my mental health and humor show wherever you listen to uh, OCC. Barrett, where can we follow you on social media and keep up with your life and all the amazing things that you do? Uh, at Barrett Dudley on the Grom. And stick it out. Uh, just, um, I just want to r- remind everybody uh, about our new slogan that we came up with and didn't steal from anywhere. It's not TV. It's OCC. It's OCC. Yeah. That's a very original. Mer- merch coming soon. Yep. It's not TV. It's OCC. Very original and groundbreaking, world-changing slogan <laughs> that Barrett and I came up with on this show. You're welcome, everyone. Thank you all for being here. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, For everybody in the uh, Crustacean Nation and Mollusk Militia, we'll see you all later in the week for your Sopranos coverage episode five of The Sopranos season one. College. College. I love college. One of my personal favorites. And I love drinking. Of the season, Barrett, it actually opens with that song instead of the traditional uh, woke up this morning and got yourself a gun Do something crazy. Do something crazy. Freshman. Freshman. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. Until then, goodbye, friends. Ooh.